morning. My name's Donna Hardy. Some of you might know me as Donna Sunshine. Uh, just a little joke to get me through this because I'm a little anxious. Um, so I serve as a greeter, and uh, I really enjoy having the opportunity to be a, a member of this church. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 24. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, you have eaten of the tree. Of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, and knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out to the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim, a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Thanks, Donna. How are we doing this morning? All right. You are definitely more lively than our 9 o'clock. So you win that anyway. Um, so uh, have you, do you remember the last time you tried to hide from someone? Maybe it was me. You saw me in a grocery store or something. <laughs> Certainly that's a place, like you go in a store, and you're like, I just got to get something quick, and you see your neighbor who just never stops talking. You're like, I like my neighbor, but I do not have to, right? And so you find like a pistachio display or something and hide. I, I, there's this um, 
we'll never resolve this argument in our house um, because we just can't, at least this side of heaven. Uh, but my uh, wife, Heather, and her sister, Kim, they claim in college that they hid successfully from a police officer. That the, the cop was chasing them, and they pulled into a driveway and ducked down, you know, something we've all wanted to try. And the cop went flying past. And I've always said, that cop was on another call, and you just... <laughs> had nothing to do with it, and they just frown and say, you're wrong, you know, but have you ever tried to, to um, hide where it's like really silly, like, what am I doing? Like, you're just like, I, I, I can't hide from, this happened to me, well, I didn't do it, but I thought about it, because it, and this happened to me on Christmas Eve, here in this church, right in this room, years ago, um, I did something I'll never do again. I have a decent memory, as you can tell. I don't really use my notes that much. But memorization, I'm not really great, like word for word. And I had memorized this poem to start my, my message. Never did it since. Because I was like, I'm just trying to remember it. And I was getting nervous. And there was all these people and kids. And, right, and, 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 and someone comes up to me right before church and says, none of our bathrooms work. Some of you might remember that Christmas Eve, fateful uh, day. And, and so now I'm just like, I'm frozen. And I remember sitting right, right about where maybe Sam is, right in that front pew. And I remember thinking, as the worship team finished the last kind of Christmas song and it was time for me to stand up, I remember looking at the outside door and saying, I could just leave. <laughs> I it's the only time in church I've ever been like, I got to get out of here, these people. Right? Imagine that. The pastor runs and it's like, they'll never know I'm missing. It's only Christmas Eve. And, and I didn't, and I butchered my way through it, and we got through it. It was a good Christmas, right? But it's silly, but you know, it's like, we've started talking about this last week. When we try, like, like Adam, like in the trees, just imagine trying to hide from God, right? It's silly. In fact, like, have you ever heard of, like, putting your head in the sand? You know, it's like, you can't see me, so I guess I can't see you. Or if you have ever played hide-and-go-seek with little kids, right, it's kind of like, here's a couple of pictures to, to kind of get the image, right? Where you're like, the kids are like, they'll never find me here. Right? And we laugh. Like, oh, you're so cute, you little darlings. But in the end, when we try to hide from God, what are we but going, oh, God will never see me here. And, and some of that hiding is me saying, you know, I don't believe in God. Or, or when we make up our own version of God. My God. Like, you don't do that with people. Or imagine if I came to a party at your house, I introduced you to my wife, and I was like, here's Heather. She graduated from Harvard and is an attorney. And she's like... No, I'm not. I'm a nurse, and I went to Fitchburg State, okay? Like, what are we talking about? You can't do that with people. We do it with God because it's hiding. We don't, we're, we're, we're ashamed. And so, in a lot of ways, this chapter is going to bring out some hard stuff, right? Because of our shame, the consequences of our sin, we run, and we end up running into deeper shame, into deeper pain. But I promise you, <laughs> I won't leave you there, that even in that, in this chapter, there is the light of the gospel. There is the hope of God. But we'll get there. Let's pray first. Father, we, we come before you. Lord, some of us, including in some ways me, are hiding from you today. And, and it's silly. But you're so gracious and kind that you never, um, you, you never seem to give up on us. You know through your spirit that you will do amazing things in our lives, in our families, our marriages our sickness, our sin. And so, Lord, I pray that you would meet everyone who's online with us, everyone who will watch this later or listen later, or everyone who's in this room with me, that you would do a work that your Holy Spirit that only you can do. Only you can do it, God. And we praise your name for doing it and not leaving us forsaken. 
In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Okay, so um, if you want to camp out with us, I won't go through all that again. Donna read it beautifully, so we'll, uh, I'll just kind of pick and choose, um, but draw from that. So if you want to camp out, it's Genesis chapter 3, easy to find, first book of the Bible. Um, and, and, and so we, we, we saw in the first two chapters, if you were with us, awesome stuff, nothing bad. God creates. It's good. God creates. It's very good. Chapter 2, right? He forms like a potter with clay, Adam. It's, it's the first man, and he gives him work to do. It's always satisfying and fruitful, vice regent of God. Then he makes an even longer description. He makes, remember, Adam's woman, right? And, and, and forms her. And, and last we see in chapter 2, they were naked and they were unashamed. No shame. But then last week, that satanic serpent came about and uh, kind of craftily tri- tricks Eve and, and Adam, and they, they eat of the tree they weren't supposed to, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they cross that boundary. If you were with us, we had the throne of our life where you, you, anytime you sin, you're saying, I, I got this, God. I know a little bit better than you about this area of my life or this decision or whatever. I need to be happy. And that's what they did. And now we start to see consequences. Last week, the last verse, remember what they were doing? They were sewing new clothes out of fig leaves. Like, I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem like great clothing. Just thinking, right? But they're, they don't know what to do. They've never been ashamed before. And so they begin to hide by putting clothes on. Because that's a consequence of sin. One of the consequences of sin is shame. What is shame? <laughs> it's one of those things, right? When you think about it, you know what it is. You felt it. Maybe do feel it, but if someone says define it, you're like, um, <laughs> it's not good, right? It's when I was, I was, I, I'm now broken where I wasn't. I'm now dirty where I was clean. I, it, it's just something I don't want you to know about me. It's something that I wish wasn't about me, but it's there. It's, it's just like, I don't know what I can do about it. I try different things, right? So I think in this account, we see sort of a, a, it play out. What, what shame is or what it, what it looks like, right? The first is with shame, shame we fear. We fear. Not a fear like, like they're not afraid. Not like a fear like you're going to get like beat up, although it depends on what you did. You never know. But the kind of fear that, 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 that you just don't want to be known. You'd rather people just knew what, what, what they think about you. Right? It's great. I mean, if you don't know me well, maybe you think, oh, that guy, he's probably the greatest husband ever. Just don't ever talk to my wife, please, okay? He's the greatest father in the world. Grace is over there. Please just don't just pretend she's not here, all right? He's the best pastor in the world. Well, ask anyone in this room, pretty much. The answer is, no, I'm not. This is not true. There is shame in my life from the past, from the present. But, but I'd rather, just like all of us, rather just kind of project, right? But we're afraid. We're afraid to really actually be known. And so part of shame, because we fear, we hide. We hide, maybe not amongst the physical trees, but we hide. Because if you know who I really am, you know what I've done, that's terrifying to me. Because it's such a mess. And so we hide. And, and, and it's so sad. Because what hiding is, is the opposite of repentance. I use that word a lot. You know why? Because we've turned it into an ugly, gross word. Repentance. You think of the guy outside Fenway. Repent, oh, you know, that guy. And, and, and that, it's a beautiful word. 
It means instead of running and hiding and, and falling in, into more uh, shame and pain, it's come out. Come out. Like, notice how God, he doesn't say, Adam, I know where you are and what you've done. He could have. He's, not, he's God. He was asking questions. Not because he didn't know the answers. It was a broken-hearted father. What have you done? Where are you? Come out. Like, like come out and just own it. Own what you've done. Ask me for forgiveness, right? But we hide. I've always said, you're like, I don't hide. Well, I've always used this illustration. That imagine if I had a camera crew follow you around the last week since we, we were last here, 24-7, and you didn't know. Because <laughs> if you knew, you'd hide. But you didn't know. And I'm about to play it up here. How many would still be here by the end of it? It, it, maybe not even just because of sinful things, but just certain things you do, and you're like, mm. now maybe you had a great week. How about all of your thoughts, everything you thought this past week? We could all read it together. There's not a one of us to be here because we have shame and we hide. And so we, 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 we would never want to withstand that. And, and that's, it's, it's to, in the end, it's, it's to not be known. It's why Instagram has so many good filters on it. Right? Like, like, you know that family you might see on Instagram, and it's just like, you're like, why are they so perfect? They're like, in the fall, we're apple picking, and someone's on someone's shoulders, and they got the perfect apple. They all dressed alike. You're like, ah. Then they're carving pumpkins. It looks like one of them's like a pumpkin artist somehow. And then we're decorating the Christmas tree, and they all got these new pajamas that match, and you're like, why is my family such a mess? And then you meet someone that actually knows that family. <laughs> Like, you should see the behind the scenes right before the picture. Right? Because, again, and I'm not saying you want to put your lowlights on Instagram. I'm just saying, right, like, like we project, not just online, but in person because we're afraid of really, really being known. And the beautiful thing of knowing God and knowing Christ is you can be known. But we'll get there. So what happens is we hide. One of the ways we hide um, is, is we hide from ourselves by numbing, right? We talk about that a lot. Maybe we just binge that show. It's not necessarily a sin, but we hide in that. That's why we might drink too much or do that drug, get in the haze so I don't have to, I don't have to think anymore. I can just hide. And a lot of people, that's what pornography is. It's just hiding, hiding in more shame, running to whatever it might be, we hide. Instead of stepping forward and saying, God, I'm here, I've done it, what will you do with it? Part of that, that, that shame is, is we see with Adam and Eve. We make excuses. <laughs> we make excuses. Like, it wasn't me. If you knew, if you knew what I've been going through, if you knew how hungry I was or how tired I was or excuse after excuse after excuse, right, that, that they were uh, she did it. It did it. Right? We, we have so many excuses. I was tricked. There was no other option. There was no other solution. If you'd been there, you would have done the same thing. Here's what excuses are. They're like these strongholds. We all love them. And, and, and we cling on to them. We hide behind them. This is my excuse. And here's, here's why this is so hard. I want, I'm asking the Lord to reveal to you what that might be in your life right now. Because we don't like to admit their excuses. We like to say their reasons why it was okay to do what we did. But their excuses, right? What are they? 
Once I get through the holidays, I'll stop getting drunk every night. You don't know how hard it is. I only do drugs because I'm grieving so much. Or if she, if she would just care about me, I wouldn't be so angry all the time. If, 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 if he would cherish me the way he's supposed to, I wouldn't be so cold. If my boss wasn't such a, I wouldn't gossip all the time. If she would show me the affection I'm due, I wouldn't look at pornography. On and on it goes. Maybe I didn't touch on any of your excuses, but we, they're, they're those pillars, those strongholds that we hide behind. It's not my fault. So what is it that you might be hiding behind? It's so, you know how freeing it is to just come out from behind it and just go, I did it. I have shame. I wish I didn't, Lord. I'd turn from it, though. Right? The part of that we see in, in that shame and part of excusing is deflecting. You know what that is, right? It's like it's the, the spotlight's on you. I, in fact, I brought a mirror here to help us with this. Right? Spotlight's on you. And so you're like, oh, oh, man. Right? So then it's like, ooh, have some, watch out now. Watch out. Here comes the light. Shine it on you. I don't want it on me. It's you. It's not me. It's you. It's not me. And, 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 and we, this is what they were doing, right? Like, like Adam, oh, is he a varsity deflector? <laughs> like, I'll bet you've seen some of it. Let me show you how good he is at this horrible thing. The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. So you might think, sure, deflecting it on his wife. And he is. But it's worse, isn't it? He's deflecting it on God himself. Well, God, that woman you gave me, it's her fault. Maybe you should have gave me a better wife. <laughs> right? Like, if you don't believe in the mercy of God that he didn't just smite him right then and there, I don't know what to tell you. And, and that's what he's doing. He's deflecting. He's not. Now listen, some of that's true. She did do that. Right? That's not, but what if he had just said, Eve was tricked, but I should have been a better leader, God. I should have led my family, my marriage much better. I should have known. I should have obeyed. I didn't. God is their forgiveness. What if Eve, instead of being like, it was the serpent, it was all the serpent that said, man, that serpent is crafty and tricky, trickery and all that, but, but, but I should have known, God. You've always taken care of us. You've loved us. I should have known. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? But instead, it's deflecting, deflecting, deflecting. We do it. It's my, my siblings' fault. It's my kids' fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my husband's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's my coworkers' fault. It's my church's fault. It's my pastor's fault. I've gotten some of that. Now, here's the thing with deflection. Some of it's true. Others do wrong us. Eve did give him the, the fruit. The serpent was crafty. Some of it's true, and I'm not asking you or I to own other people's shame, other people's stuff, but we need to own what is ours and not hide behind deflecting all the time. Here's a, a, another hard question, but a good one. Do you ever find yourself, because I have, I'll be the first to admit, do you ever find yourself giving grace and mercy to yourself but judging others? So, like, I did that, but if you knew what I was going through that day, if you knew how, that's not me, I did it, but I was hungry, I did it, but, I did it, but, but that other person, you're just a jerk. I don't, I don't care what was going on in your life, you did it, and you're a jerk because of it. 
And, and we just, it's for some reason we do that. We want to we, we find excuses for ourselves and deflect it on others. Others can be painful and they can bring pain into our life, but we'll never let God deal with our own consequences of our sin, our own shame, if we don't step into the light and say, yeah, I, I own it. I own what I've done. That's repentance. That's not dirty, it's beautiful. Repentance is light-giving, life-giving. Or keep hiding, keep running, see where that gets you. One of the consequences of, the, of, of sin, and I promise it won't take as long, but it's even more important, and that is judgment. We don't like that word either, do we? See, what I think is, that's such a terrible voice, I'm sorry, but what I think is, we shouldn't judge. My God doesn't ever judge. Judging is unloving. See, I've heard this so much, and it's like, okay, well, here's, here's what I'll ask in some way, shape, or form. Well, what if um, somebody broke into your house and slashed up your children with a knife? It was worse last night, so be glad I tamed it down. <laughs> you don't want them judged? Of course you do. It would be unloving not to judge that person and bring justice. Justice is loving. Judgment from God is loving. What we want is arbitrary judgment. <laughs> When I think you should be judged, you're judged. But when I think I shouldn't be, I'm not. And that's not how God works. That's me getting back on the throne and taking his place. But God judges sin. You know why? He's holy. He's perfect. And if he were to allow unpaid for sin in his presence, he wouldn't be the God who we love anymore. He'd cease to be him. He will not do it. He has to push out. He has to judge and we see it all over chapter 3. He judges a serpent without even giving him a chance to make an excuse. You've, you've gone from your arrogant pride to humiliation. And eventually you will be ended by a seed from that woman, a descendant from the woman, the one you tried to tear down. Gets to Eve, childbirth. Any moms here? It's one of the greatest days ever, maybe the greatest, the birth of your child. Is it? What's one of the most painful days of your life? Well, I had kidney stones. I don't want to hear it. You're not helping me, okay? <laughs> Stay with me, all right? No, it is, right? Because of this judgment. Imagine how awesome that would be if you had all the beauty and blessings of bearing that child without any of the pain. Whew, it'd be that much better, wouldn't it? But you don't get that because of judgment. There's still life there, but it's in pain. Marriage. Before, her, her and her husband, they were like this. Where you couldn't, I could. Where I couldn't, you could. And we, we just went like this. <laughs> How many marriages are like that? No. Sometimes, man, if you're married and you have that season where it's like, wow, things are so, anything else around you can go wrong and you don't care. You're just like, I don't care. My marriage is like this and it's perfect, it's beautiful. And then when you get those seasons where things are broken and cold and not good, anything else can go right and you don't care. It's just how we're wired. Can you imagine without the judgment of God, it would have always been like this. But we don't have that. Adam, <laughs> work used to be fully satisfying all the time. Who can say that about their job? If your boss is here, go ahead. I won't tell, all right? It's okay. No, of course not. Now, you know when you put all kinds of work into something and it comes out just perfectly and you're like, that's the feeling of satisfaction when that happens? That's how it was always supposed to be. But now, it hurts. It's 
weary, it's toilsome. That was Adam. And ultimately, which we'll talk more about in a couple weeks, is to dust you shall return, and no longer will you take from the tree of life. There will come now, because of the consequences of sin, death, judgment. God judges because he has to, because it's good and it's right. We may not want that sin judged, but God says, I'm God, and I judge all things that cross the boundary of my holiness. All things. And part of that, right, is the consequence of sin that is separation. Judgment in separation. The very end of that chapter, what happened? He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Man, that's a cool scene. But it's also a sad scene. You see, many see um, Eden as the very first place like the sanctuary of God, the temple of God, where God manifested his presence to meet with us, right? His presence. He would walk with them, and now they're shut out. They can't come in. Guarded by cherubim. Cherubim, we find out later, is uh, also on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Again, a place where God's presence was manifested, except you can't come in. You can't come in. Only the great high priest, once a year, Day of Atonement, to bring a sacrifice for sin could come in. Otherwise, you're not allowed because God is holy and the consequences of sin is separation. Separation. You're out. This is ultimately what hell is. A lot of things get said about hell. We even use it as a, a word for something we don't like. It's a place that people choose. When you do not want God and what he has done for you, you choose to be separate from him for all of eternity. You see, what people don't realize, oh, I'm just going to party with my friends. No, you're not. You're, 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 the things that we enjoy in this life are what call, are called common grace. Good food, family, a, you know, a newborn baby, a vacation, a sunset. All those are blessings from God that anyone in this life can enjoy. But eventually the judgment is complete separation from even all of those things. God judges because he's holy. And sin that is not dealt with cannot come into his presence. Amen. Go home. Oh, just kidding. That's not, that's not a, it's a hard thing. To stop there, so I won't, because chapter 3 is full of hope as well. There is hope, despite all of that, in God. Now, one of the first places that you see that hope is in verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. (laughs) These fig leaf clothes? No. Let me bring me the expensive stuff. Now, there's lots of discussion about this verse. Some think this is the first time of atonement because an animal had to die. I think that's reaching. It could be true. I'm not willing to go there, but here's what I do know, okay? Verse 21, shouts from the rooftops to us, okay? Hoping in God is that God cares. Think about all we've talked about. I didn't realize how hard it was until last night when I realized this is a really hard sermon. I don't know why. And so as we sit here thinking about the consequences of sin, separation and judgment and shame and hiding and all that comes with that, 
It's easy for you to sit and wallow in that and just go into it deeper and deeper and deeper. And here's what I need you to know. The verse 21 shouts, God still cares. He doesn't forsake. He goes towards the sinner. He moves his grace towards you. You are not alone in it. Just realize that God took them, even in all their sin and shame, even in their excuse making, all of it, and he said, let me clothe you. Let me help you. Think about the love of God in that he would even want to clothe them in that moment. But he does. God cares. What Jesus told the parable of the lost son, what did the father who represents God in that story do? He didn't go, you're back, really? Okay, well, let's see what you've done with your life since the last time you stole my money. No, he runs and he hikes up his clothes and he disrespects himself to run. Welcome home. Come home. Come home. God cares. We see in just a verse before, verse 20. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Adam doesn't redeem the excuse-making from earlier, but it helps a little bit. He gives her the name of Eve, which means living. Even though the judgment of sin is death, he and somehow is saying, I know my God, and he's a God of life. And somewhere in all of this mess, he's going to do something. He promised. He is a God who cares, and he's a God who brings life. How does he do that? Well, he gives us Jesus. Jamie, every single message is the same. <laughs> yup. There's no other answer. We just get to it in different places. You ever notice that? He gives us Jesus. Now, verse 15, let me read it for you. This is when he's judging the serpent. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And some of you might have a translation that uses crush his head, right? They're just trying, they're taking um, context maybe more than they should here because it's the exact same Hebrew word, bruise that we see, right? But what they're looking at is the part of your body. It's a little bit of difference getting bruised in your heel and getting bruised in your head, right? And so the head is obviously uh, the dominant one. And, and so many have looked at this, and some have said, oh, this is just saying that we aren't going to like snakes very much. <laughs> and for some of us, that's true. But some of you weirdos have like snakes all in your house, and that's okay. We need you. I'll call you if I, you know, if I uh, see a snake. But it's got to be more than that. And in the book of Revelation, calls Satan the ancient, our ancient serpent. The ancient serpent. Uh, um, Paul, at the end of his letter to the Romans, he says this, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I love that because he's saying, you, <laughs> you, church, and now us. Every time you say another for Christ at any cost to me, you are bearing the light of Christ and crushing the evil of Satan, that ancient serpent. See, what God does because of the consequences of our sin is he gives us his own son. That's why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Now, in, chapter, in Luke chapter 3, he gives us 
uh, Jesus' genealogy. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph. Of course, he wasn't the biological son of Joseph, but he was the adopted son. And so I'm going to now read the entire genealogy. No, I'm not going to do that. But I want you to imagine it goes on quite a while, and you can look at it later. If you have your Bibles open, you can look at it with me. But I just want to bring you to the very end. It goes in the son of, and the son of, the son of, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. The seed of the woman is someday the promise of God to crush sin and all of its consequences and Satan and all of its evil. And that is God's own son, Jesus. That he would come. And that he would do what nobody else can do. No other solution. No other answer. He, on that cross, crushes sin and death. That when he died on that cross, the, the, the cherubim, they, they guard God's presence, but no longer because the, 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 the curtain's torn in two. God just didn't change his mind. God didn't just say, you know what, I'm tired of being that God. Come on in, everybody. No, 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 no. It is by the blood of Christ you no longer are under condemnation in Christ Jesus. That you, because of Jesus, God's gift to you, can come into his presence for all of eternity. You do not have to be separated. You also do not have to wallow in shame. You do not have to run and hide from God. Because when he sees you, when you're in Christ, he sees his son. Wow. The consequences of sin are great. Let's never, ever, ever ignore that. However, the hope in God found in his son Jesus is so much greater. If you've never trusted in Christ, if you've never just said, all that just means is I put my faith that Jesus died for me. Three days later, that tomb was empty. Death to life. Put your faith to say, yes, Jesus, I'm not running anymore. I'm not hiding anymore. I want your grace. I want your mercy. I want your clothes of righteousness. And for those of us who are in Christ, he's redeemed marriage. He's redeemed childbirth. He's redeemed, yeah, there's still the residue of pain. I get it. He's redeemed your job. He redeems our relationships. (laughs) And ultimately, he's redeemed our eternity. So we will not be shut out from the presence of God, but we will be with him. All because of him. And so whatever shame you might feel, whatever excuses you're making, whatever God might reveal to you in our time together, lay it at his feet. It's paid in full. You are a son or a daughter of the king. Now step into the light. Let's pray. Lord, this, this, um, this chapter is just full of bad news. But boy, it's so full of good news. That while we were your enemies, you died for us. (laughs) Lord, I pray for repentance in this room. For both unbelievers to become Christians. And those who are Christians to stop running from you. To stop blaming others, projecting, making excuses. Oh God, show us the forgiveness. Free us from the bondage of that. Lord, may we as your church bear the light of Christ in this gospel. May you use us to crush the head of Satan. Lord, I pray you'd open the eyes of of the unfaithful to become faithful. Maybe someone needs to be baptized or someone needs to um, 
put that down that you've been calling us to put down. Give us the courage. Give us the strength. It can only come from you and your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. You can stand if you're able to with us.